Sound Opinions is supported by Goose Island, pairing beer and music since 1988. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago, Illinois. Listen critically, enjoy responsibly. There had been abuse in my family, but it was mostly musical in nature. of this lover's lament crap. I want something peppy, something happy, something up-tempo. I want something snappy. The Rock Doctors are in the clinic and it's open for business. Today, we help another patient with a musical medical problem. I'm Jim DeRogatis of Vocalo.org. And I'm Greg Codd of the Chicago Tribune. Stay tuned for that and reviews of the latest from soul singer CeeLo Green and pioneering producer Brian Eno. That's all coming up on Sound Opinions. From WBEZ Chicago and PRX, you're listening to Sound Opinions, and it's time now for some music news. You trifling, good for nothing type of brother. Silly me, why haven't I found another? A baller When times get hard Need someone to help me out Instead of A scrub like you Who don't know What a man's about Can you pay my bills Can you pay my Bills, bills, bills by Destiny's Child on Sound Opinions. Yes, that is exactly what Jamie Thomas Rassett is going to be facing after her third federal jury trial in the most famous downloading case so far in the 21st century. For the third time, Jamie Thomas Rassett of Brainerd, Minnesota, has been found liable for damages for 24 digital songs, making them available on her hard drive for other users to share. $1.5 million in damages for those songs, including Bills, Bills, Bills by Destiny's Child. That is $62,500 per song. Of course, Jamie Thomas' lawyer is crying foul. She says, we're going to continue to pursue this in court. My advice to be, I'm not a lawyer, Jim, but I would say you might want to stop here because you're not getting any further in this case. These awards have continued to pile up in these three trials. Each time she has been found guilty of making these files available, damages have been awarded in extreme amounts. Turns out she's probably not the ideal witness that those who would like to see copyright law in this country overhauled would have wanted to present to the recording industry and to the American public as Exhibit A. No, if you haven't followed this case as closely as we have, on paper it would seem to be she's very sympathetic. She's the mother of four, single mom, struggling to raise her family, not a lot of money, not very sophisticated Mm -hmm. about popular culture, just look at the song she downloaded, or the Internet. Yet she was a combative witness. She was caught in numerous lies over these three trials, people didn't like her, you know, and that certainly wasn't helping to have the judge and jury not on your side. It's sad because this is setting a precedent. The record industry has stopped bringing new suits. They claim to to be backing away from that. They claim they've made their point, but they were going to pursue this one as long as it took and as long as they kept winning so that they could get the precedent on the board. Well, they've got some huge numbers on the board to say that they were right all along, and these trials have have proven a couple of things, I think. One, that uh, the copyright owners are going to be protected if these things go to uh, trial. Secondly, personal use 
isn't going to be a viable exception anymore. The juries are just not accepting that as a defense for file sharing, for downloading these files. And the film industry is watching this very carefully. They're looking at the size of these awards. There were 17,000 suits filed in the last few weeks in the film industry against users for sharing movie files. And they're basically saying, once they catch these people sharing their files, look at the size of these awards for one song, $62,500 per song. What do you think a movie's going to be worth if you share it illegally online? Is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? Caught in a landslide No escape from reality Open your eyes Look up to the skies and see I'm just a poor boy I need no sympathy Because I'm easy come, easy go Little high Greg, that of course is Queen with their epic bohemian rhapsody. That's a song that people who love the rock band video game will now be able to play in a more fulfilling way than ever before with Rock Band 3, which is just in the process of coming out. You, of course, claim to play keyboards. I, I've been friends with you for 20 years. I've never seen that happen. And you never will. But you could you could play it now with this <laughs> video game. We've talked before about these music video games and their incredible popularity. But it seems to have plateaued in the last year. There's been a lot of concern in that Guitar Hero rock band world because Guitar Hero... Warriors of Rock, the last edition released in September, only sold 86,000 copies. You say, well, you know, that's kind of an impressive number. Uh Uh-uh. Compare that to a million and a half copies of Guitar Hero 3, Legends of Rock, sold in the first month in 2007. It seems as if everybody who has a gaming console at home already has one or more of these games and and they can play them and they're happy what else do you need you get the cheap little plastic controller you got your game you're all set you're not going to continue to buy ah here's the twist now there's two video games coming out now which are going to be using more or less real instruments in particular the spotlight is on rock band three people are very excited in the gaming world and in the music world about the fact that you'll be using a a real guitar a mustang a fender mustang not the most expensive top of the line but but you know a serious instrument or a keytar that's one of those handheld keyboards you can play it sitting down you can hold it like a guitar and play keyboards instead of hitting those little colored dots and pretending you're playing the guitar these games are moving toward really teaching you to play the instrument which is something you and i have been advocating for quite some time the only thing that's come close in earlier iterations of musical video games is the drums Mm. you know hitting something in time with the right left hand right hand right foot left foot right i mean that comes close it's not the same as sitting behind a real drum set but keyboards Vocals, playing guitar, playing bass, hadn't been close. The vocals now are moving more and more towards 
pitch adjustment, they're going to tell you if you're in tune or not. Mm-hmm. And the keyboards and guitar parts are moving towards actually having to strum or to tinkle those ivories. Well, a year ago, we had a representative of the video game industry on our show, and he was telling us this was the very goal, to transition from learning how to play this game to transition over to actually playing the instruments, because we were kind of looking askance at this whole idea. Well, why not just spend this time learning a real instrument? Well, now they're taking real steps in that direction, and I applaud them for it. Listening to Sound Opinions, and it is time for another consultation with the Rock Doctors. Dr. Cott, as you know, listeners come to us from time to time with their musical medical problems, and we tried to provide the prescriptions. In the past, we've helped out couples, we've dealt with a family, we even did an intervention. This time, we're moving into the business world. Today's patient, Cassie, owns The Green Grocer here in Chicago. She wrote to us explaining that she's struggling to find music to play in the store that will please her, her employees, and most importantly, her customers. Jim, we've got our patient with us now, and she's going to give us a little bit more medical background. Cassie, welcome to Sound Opinions. Thank you, guys. So, Cassie, tell us the problem. So, I own a little grocery store. And obviously, music is a huge part of the ambiance of any place. And we, we really don't want to pay for one of those services where you get, you know, different mixes and everything like that because we're a small business and, quite frankly, sometimes we're a little cheap. But so we use different Internet programs to stream music to play in the store. The problem is that I literally draw a blank almost every day that I'm at the store and I can come up with basically two or three artists that I like that seem to have the right vibe for the store. And other than that, I just get this sort of dopey look on my face. Like (laughs) I have no idea what I'm doing. And I need some ideas, and I need something that really matches the vibe of the store. Okay. Now, Cassie, tell us, what are those two or three fallback artists you always go to? You know, generally, it's The Bird and the Bee, Paul Simon, and I personally love Earth, Wind, and Fire, but all, all the people who work for me are way cooler and hipper than I am. So they're like dude, you got to turn off the 70s funk, which <laughs> oh, is fine, but I still love that. I love the energy that it brings. Oh, yeah. They don't like September. Come on. You know, I what's know, the matter with right? them? Nothing says let's buy some cucumbers more than earth, wind, and fire. I don't know. You know. Exactly, exactly. But I can understand also, you know, we're open 12 hours a day. So once you've listened to something for 12 hours, you're like, all right, that's enough. Can you tell us specifically what kind of a vibe do you think the store needs to keep, I mean, you want to keep shoppers happy, keep them motivated, and, and you know, keep them buying, right? Well, absolutely. And, you know, the biggest thing I think is having something that's upbeat, um, pretty fun, and I use the word funky 
I guess sort of lightly, light, lightly funky would be nice. A lot of the problem that I've been having with some of the cool sort of more current artists is a lot of their music is way too mellow and either it just creates this downer vibe or I find myself almost falling asleep while stocking beer or organic cucumbers, whatever I have. Something that just makes people feel happy. I like when I look down the aisles and I kind of see people wiggling a little bit, you know, just grooving to the music. I know I've picked a good one, but then I can't play that exact same artist every day. Sure, Mm -hmm. sure. Yeah, you want to have something hip and yet not drive people out of the store. It's a fine balance you're trying to create. Right, right. And we don't want anything that's too angry, too, you know? Yeah. That's the other thing. We actually put one on the other day. And there was a song that literally just kept screaming Satan over and over. And I was like, oh, my God. No, 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 no. Oh, nothing says green leafy lettuce like Satan. Oh, my right. God. Would you like your kale with the side of Satan? Okay, Dr. Cott, it is time to give Cassie our prescriptions. I'll go first. Cassie, in looking at your medical chart, I kept seizing on the idea of uh, funky but not antique. You love those sounds, but you don't want to keep going back to the same well again and again. So I thought, what are the best things about earth, wind, and fire? You have those incredible horns, the African kalimba, the falsetto vocals. I'm going to recommend something called the Budos Band. Now, have you heard of Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings? And I actually really like Sharon Jones. Ah, okay. All right. Now, that would be too obvious, right? The Dap Kings backed Amy Winehouse on her record. The thing about the Budos Band, is there another part of that Dap Tones, Staten Island, New York, Afro soul revival scene, but they're doing it with Afrobeat, that kind of Fela African pop thing. They're bringing in touches of that wonderful African rhythm and mixing it with vintage 70s soul, both in in terms of the rhythms and in terms of the horns. I think it's an incredible sound. It's all instrumental. Because the other thing you have to worry about, I would imagine, in your position, even if it's a great song, if it's about, like, you know, the end of a romance or kick that bum out, you don't want (laughs) to bum out customers, right? So the Budos Band from Staten Island, you know, this, this big group that can grow up to 16, 17 people on stage, has made three albums of fine instrumental music. The latest came out, I think, in August, a couple months ago. It called okay. Budos Band 3. I can just see people strutting down the aisle with their baskets in hand, <laughs> bouncing along, and filling it with all sorts of stuff that's good for them. That's my prescription. What do you cool. got, Dr. Cott? All right, Dr. DeRogatis. Good choice. Cassie, I was taking careful notes here. Lightly funky, not too mellow, upbeat, positive, grooving. I think I got just the guy for you. I'm going to recommend Jamie Liddell. He's a U.K. artist who really was a pioneer in that neo-soul movement. A lot of people give credit to, to people like Amy Winehouse, who Jim mentioned, Duffy, Adele. They're kind of the face of the franchise in the U.K. right now. But Liddell got there first. He started in the 90s as more on the techno end of things, electropop. 
but gravitated more towards soul music in the last decade, starting in 2005. He's got a real recent record out. It came out this year called Compass that's a little bit more experimental. I would highly recommend that one, but the one I'm going to suggest that you play in your store is from 2008. That's a record called Jim, and that's the one where I think he really puts together elements of his past, some of that electro-pop element, but combines it with a real sense of soul songwriting and the vocals as well. There's a real sense of melody that goes along with those grooves. It's up-tempo. It works incredibly well live. I've seen this guy play half dozen times, and he just works the crowd over, gets him into a frenzy. i got to tell you, it's amazing. This little kind of white guy with the with glasses on is just doing an amazing job of soul singing on that stage. Now, you're, and you're, I not think, gonna, you're not going to prompt uh, moshing in the aisles well, of the grocery store. not right? moshing, but I hope they're doing some boogaloo action. You know, All right, I, am, okay. I, I want to see the shimmy, the shake, you know. And uh, the record's called Jim? Absolutely. I love that record. The record is called Jim. They named it after you, Jim DeRogatis. It's by Jamie Liddell. And Cassie, I think you are going to be tripling your sales once you put this record on. <laughs> well, I love that. Okay, thanks. What's different about this Rock Doctor's uh, test is not only do we have to please Cassie, but we have to please her customers. So you're actually going to play this in the store for the next couple of weeks and tell us if the prescriptions worked. For sure. Excellent. Well, we will check back with you, Cassie. Thank you so much for coming to the Rock Doctors. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate your help. going to continue with our Rock Doctor session after a short break on sound opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. And later, we'll review the new record by Lady Killer, CeeLo Green. Now there's a lot of talk, but I'm not
Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Dr. Greg Cott with my partner in the medical business, Dr. Jim DeRigatis. And Jim and I, of course, have been playing Rock Doctor, prescribing new music to one of our listeners. This week we're helping out Cassie, a store owner in Chicago, and she contacted us asking for new music to play at her store. Dr. Cott, that means that our prescriptions not only had to meet Cassie's needs, but those of her employees and her customers. For the past two weeks, she's been taking her medicine, playing our recommendations in the store. Jamie Liddell's Jim and the Budos Band 3. So before we have our follow-up appointment with her, let's hear from some folks at the Green Grocer in Chicago. My name is Kristen Hellenbach, and I work in the Green Grocer at Chicago. You can kind of walk in and know who's who's working because of the music that's being played. So some people like a little bit more faster, peppier. I personally go for world music. Cassie will go for more popular music, and it really is a range. I mean, I enjoy her music just because it's fun and it's upbeat. If she could, she would listen to Earth, Wind, and Fire all the time. I work with Cassie one day a week, and so... It was interesting when I've, I've put on music before and I watch people come to the counter and I just kind of pay attention to what they're doing and some of them will start jamming at the counter, like drumming on it, and that's kind of a gauge for me of how people are feeling the music or not feeling it. But, but I, like, I like this. My name is Anna Harewagen and I work at the Green Grocer in Chicago. I think I've heard sitting on the dock of the bay more times than I'd like to admit. Um, that or any sort of Britney Spears or Michael Jackson is a, is a regular here. Every time Cassie was back in charge of the music, we'd all sort of grimace and, and wait for whatever, whatever music choice would be, would be picked. But uh, it's definitely been much better the past couple days. My name is Chris Swamberg, and I'm a customer at the Green Grocer. I shop here constantly. I live next door. I don't like things that are too noticeable, and I don't like music that's too loud. I know one of the grocery stores in the city has, like, a DJ night, which there's, like, a DJ that plays, like, pretty loud music, like, dance music, which is awesome, but not when I'm grocery shopping. Usually I want something to be kind of calm and, like, I don't know. I like. I really like what what's playing right now. It sort of feels like kind of old school rock, which is great. I don't know if it is. I don't know if it's new or old, but um, it feels really solid. Those were some customers and workers at the Green Grocer in Chicago. Jim, we've got Cassie back with us now to tell us how the medicine went down. Cassie, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you guys? We're good, and we want to hear what you think of these albums. Uh, let me ask you about my prescription, Jim, by British soul singer Jamie Liddell. How'd that work for you? It actually worked really, really well. And I had never heard of Jamie Liddell, and I had customers, like, moving and grooving in the store. I actually <laughs> had a few people who were like, oh, Jamie Liddell, awesome. And then I felt super cool. And then, of course, I had to admit, like, well, it wasn't really 
wasn't really my idea, but I, you know, got a prescription for it. I thought it was great. <laughs> it was upbeat. It was fun, but it was also pretty subtle. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't overbearing to people, but it just created this really cool kind of fun, happy vibe in the store. I, I loved it. Did you test this out ahead of time on your own just to make sure? Now, I hope those guys know what they're talking about. I hope they're not giving me something really crappy. Did you have the private listening party before you put it in your store? I, I did. I put it on my own computer at home while I was working from home to listen to actually both prescriptions just to check them out, just because I was also curious, not because I doubted your skills by any means. <laughs> it's okay. People doubt it all the time. We, we get that We're all used the time. To it. And so uh, did you find that that this uh, influences the behavior at all of the shoppers? I mean, are they inclined more to, like, buy more stuff or what? Sure. Well, I mean, that's obviously kind of a hard thing to judge. But what I will say is that just creating that kind of vibe in the store, I think, slows people down a little bit and makes them, like I said, sort of that head nodding, you know, little wiggle that you'd see people having in the aisles, makes them want to stay longer, which always is good for business because if someone stays longer, they might come across something that they wouldn't have seen if they didn't like the environment so much, if there was some horrible music that just created a different vibe. And what about your favorite tracks? You know, probably my favorite was Another Day. Another Day, Another Way you guys specifically recommended, but I found it, in fact, when I did my test run, if you want to call it that, and that was, for me, one of the songs that just, I thought, whoa, this is really cool. huge lyric person this is just how i am in general i i almost don't even listen to lyrics so mm-hmm. they could be saying the most horrible things but if they put it to a good beat yeah. i'm like oh this is great but i think the energy of it i thought was just fantastic all right let's see how i scored with my prescription cassie i was keying off your love for 70s funk and soul mm-hmm. but you don't want to be stuck in the past you want to show all those 20 something clerks working for you that you know you're still alive and listening so i went for the Budos Band, who are one mm-hmm. of the groups on that incredible Brooklyn label, Daptone Records. What I love, though, is it's not just that retro, late 60s, mid-70s soul sound. 
Certainly that's part of it. They're also bringing in the Ethiopian Afrobeat influences, but she, she's being quiet. You notice this, correct? Mm. Did it work? You know what? Okay, so I when I first put on the Buddhist band, I loved it, and I kind of felt like I was in a really cool updated 70s cop show. It made me want to sort of like <laughs> sneak around the corners of my store. definitely had the same kind of grooving that people and they got this look on their face like I saw a couple people they, it was a different groove than with Jamie Liddell but it was like this I'm kind of a badass you know I hope I can say that I'm sorry <laughs> no that's good and I felt that same way the one thing I would say about the Buddhist band is that after a while it gets a little bit redundant mm. and so I think that what I realized with them is that mixed in with some other stuff, it would be fantastic. But when we played just the band itself, after a few hours, I think my girls were like, hey, this was great this morning, but it's now 5 p.m. And, you know, yeah, yeah. There's, only, there's only so much kind of cool cop I can do. Okay, to sum up, Cassie, you really enjoyed my Jamie Liddell prescription. And for Jim's Budos Band suggestion, you won't be playing the whole album beginning to end, but you're definitely going to be adding it to your playlist. So, all in all, you're pretty happy with this? Yeah, I really loved both of them. That's great. This is so rare that both of us hit the uh, the 100% really? mark. You know, uh, We've been sued for <laughs> yeah. malpractice. There's definitely <laughs> been some rejection of the prescription. You know, the, the body's patient just would not take it, but... Uh, so this is great. We picked up a little business for you, and we're glad you love it. Thank you guys so much. If you want to make your own appointment with the Rock Doctors or nominate someone you think is in need of urgent medical musical assistance, fill out a patient form at soundopinions.org. You're listening to Sound Opinions, and that is CeeLo Green with Forget You, the radio-friendly version of his huge viral hit with the explicit name. That song, in particular, was downloaded two million times in its first week of release, setting the table very nicely for CeeLo Green's third solo album, The Lady Killer. CeeLo Green, born Thomas Calloway in Atlanta, started out in a hip-hop group out of the Dirty South, uh, The Goody Mob, and then evolved into a singer. Nobody really knew the guy could sing 
quite so well, but he proved differently on his first two solo records, CeeLo Green and his Perfect Imperfections, and CeeLo Green is the Soul Machine. What a voice. Sounded like it belonged in a gospel church or a 60s Motown hit. So not only do we have a fine hip-hop vocalist, but we had a genuine singer on our hands here. Really came to fruition in his collaboration with DJ Danger Mouse in Gnarls Barkley. Everybody knows that huge hit, Crazy, one of the first great anthems of this century as far as I'm concerned. Now he's back doing solo work again. This is his third solo record, The Lady Killer. We're going to review it in a second, but let's play a track from it first. It's called Bright Lights, Bigger City from CeeLo Green on Sound Opinion. That is Bright Light's Bigger City on Sound Opinions from CeeLo Green's much-anticipated third solo album, The Lady Killer. Greg, the amount of diversity on this album. CeeLo is no small man in terms of size or in terms of his ambitions, uh, his interests, the kinds of music he loves. He wants to tackle everything. He's doing James Bond theme music. He's doing Bacharach David kind of lounge. He's doing Curtis Mayfield soul. He's doing Solomon Burke blues. He's doing Motown and he's doing stacks. It's wonderful. Some critics have been dissing the diversity, saying CeeLo is just a tool being employed by the producers who've worked on this album. There's a, a couple of them, several different ones, all doing different sorts of sounds. Nonsense. I think thematically and in terms of that incredible voice, this is a very unified album, every bit as wonderful as his finest earlier solo album, CeeLo Green and His Perfect Imperfections. And the theme of 
CeeLo <laughs> looking at himself as a lady killer, mm-hmm. sometimes self-deprecatingly. Sometimes he's really joking at himself. Overall, you get the sense that this guy is really pretty lovable. He's clumsy. He, he can get angry. He can get plaintive. There's a real diversity here in terms of CeeLo trying to woo the interests of his affections that you don't often hear in R&B or hip-hop, and you certainly don't hear this kind of breadth of musical vision. This album is a joy. I love it to pieces. On the buy it, burn it, trash it scale, I got to say this is a buy it record. Well, I'll agree with you completely, Jim, on a number of levels. The one thing that I love about CeeLo above all else is the eccentricity just flows through his personality, larger than life, and he allows it to shine. It's not about producer tracks here with any old voice is going to do. With CeeLo, he imposes his personality on everything he tries. There's a weirdness that bubbles underneath everything he does. So even though he's doing some of this retro soul classicism that sounds like, oh yeah, that sounds like something from the 60s or the 70s, at the same time, there's this incredibly interesting personality being brought into it. So when you're talking about things like the Lady Killer theme or that song, Bodies, there's a little bit of weirdness going on there. You're going, huh? Here's a kiss, sweetheart, this won't hurt a bit I can kill it with kindness of merit Then I would face the time a murderer would get Life Exactly is happening in this song. He's not an easy dude to love. I didn't mean to imply that. And there's also a playfulness, though. You know, a sense of humor about the whole thing that I think is also missing in a lot of contemporary R&B. Even though that track we just played, Bright Lights, Bigger City, sounds very classic. I mean, that bass line is straight out of Billie Jean era and Michael Jackson. Absolutely. It still sounds great, the way he's combining these different elements. These are classic soul tracks, but at the same time, you've got this amazing voice over the top. With that voice, you can't go wrong. It's a buy it record all the way for me as well. So that is a double buy it on The Lady Killer by CeeLo. To share your thoughts on that album or any of your sound opinions on the air, call our hotline, 888-859-1800. You can also email us at interact at soundopinions.org or talk to us on Facebook or Twitter. Greg and I will be back with another review of the new album by my hero, Brian Eno. Then Greg pops a quarter in the Desert Island jukebox. That's in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX.
Welcome back to Sound Opinions. That is the title track of the new album by Brian Eno, Small Craft on a Milk Sea. I get a lot of guff in these parts from my radio (laughs) partner, Greg Cott, and our producers for dropping the name Brian Eno far too often. However, Greg, I don't think you would disagree with me that it is no exaggeration to say this is one of the most important thinkers and sonic innovators of the last century in terms of popular music. Absolutely. He paves the way for many artists to follow, whether you're talking Talking Heads and U2 or far underground in the electronica, the ambient worlds. Brian Eno has made a new ambient recording. Two kinds of Eno albums. I personally love the pop records, the ones where he is singing. In the last decade and a half, he's only made two. Another Day on Earth, which I'll say stinks. Didn't like that record. Mm. 2005. I can criticize the guy. The other one, just last year, Everything That Happens Will Happen Today with David Byrne. We both liked it a lot. Now he's returning to the ambient world. He is considered the godfather of ambient music, defined as music to enhance the thousand and one tasks of everyday life, but not to interfere with them. Music you can listen to or ignore to come in and out depending your choice. It can be snoozy at times. Parts of Eno's ambient discography really will put you to sleep. I was not a fan of the last couple of records in this genre he's made. The Shoot-Off Assembly, NerveNet, Neroli, uh-uh. I'll come back, give my opinions, and I'll hear yours on this new ambient record, which is a collaboration, as many of his ambient records are, with the electronic musician John Hopkins and the guitarist Leo Abrams. First, let's hear a track. This is Flint March by Brian Eno from Small Craft on a Milk Sea on Sound Opinions. That is Flint March from the new Brian Eno record on Sound Opinions. The album is called Small Craft on a Milk Sea. Jim, you are a huge Eno fan, uh, as am I. I have to say, I own dozens of Eno albums, many of which I still enjoy to this day. This is not in the top tier, nowhere near. 
again, he's going back to, to familiar terrain, the ambient music that he pioneered in the 70s, created an entire musical movement around it. Working with Abrams and Hopkins, he's created these soft, lulling tracks, very little pulse in them. I love it when their melody lines are a little bit more apparent in what's going on there. It actually perks up a little bit. In the middle, best section of the album by far, when there's a little bit more of a rhythm bottom to these tracks, a little bit more noise involved, some of the glitchy electronics combined with that guitar. You know, I think a track like Two Forms of Anger or the track we just played, Flint March, that stuff works really well for me. I think he's, you know, he's in the territory here that is least... It's not like he's breaking ground. The references are still fairly obvious. That German art rock scene of the of the 70s that he loves so much. He's referencing some Aphex twin in the, in the noise elements in the electronics. But that works pretty well. But I would say the bulk of this record, the lulling first and third sections, pretty snoozy. You use that word yourself to describe some of his ambient music. I don't think he's breaking any new ground here. And what's more, I want to fall asleep during half of this record. At best, I'm going to give it a burn it for those couple three tracks in the middle that I really like. Well, Greg, I think it's better than you do. I think it's a buy it record on the buy it, burn it, trash it scale. But that's relative to the ambient work. I can put on Brian Eno's best ambient recordings Thursday afternoon, one of my favorites. And I can wash the floor. I can do the dishes. <laughs> I can file paperwork or write out bills. It's not meant to be mesmerizing and to hold your attention. As something in the background, this sure is better than Muzak for sure. It does have a pulse. To bring rhythm into the ambient music is really interesting. I think to have as much guitar on here, and he's playing some himself, is a really interesting twist. There hasn't been a lot of guitar on a lot of his ambient recordings. He's approaching this genre, therefore, with two new instruments, percussion and and guitar. You know, it's not my absolute favorite of his ambient recordings, but I will say this. This is the best recording he's made since 1990, that wonderful vocal pop collaboration Wrong Way Up with John Cale. Think about it. Do you, have you liked any of them? No, I agree with you 100%. I think he's he's done some great production work, but his own albums have definitely suffered in the last couple decades. If you were to ask me, Jim, give me the list of the top 15 Eno albums I should buy, I would put this maybe at 14 or 15, <laughs> barely squeaking in. But, you know, to have any Eno albums is better than to have no Eno albums, and we can still keep hoping he'll give us another Here Come the Warm Jets someday. I tell you, little buddy, this whole island is bewitched. As often as possible here on Sound Opinions, Greg or I like to take a trip to the desert island and play you a song that we cannot live without. Mr. Cott, it is your turn. Jim, thank you. I've been investigating one of your favorite artists, Bruce Springsteen, and I say that with great sarcasm. <coughs> uh, he has a box set out in recent weeks devoted to his 1978 album, Darkness on the Edge of Town, with numerous outtakes from those sessions. Springsteen was on a writing binge at this time. Numerous tracks being created, numerous versions of this album being created. A lot of the stuff never made it onto a Springsteen record. Instead, he was farming out a lot of the stuff. And there was a great artist, a very underrated artist, working the same Jersey bar scene that Springsteen was in the early to mid-70s that was the beneficiary of some of these leftover tracks. I'm talking about Southside Johnny and the Asbury Jukes. Southside Johnny Lyon was a contemporary of Springsteen's. Basic, straight-up, 
R&B singer, great horn section in that band. You talk about the Jersey Shore sound, that band defined it. And you heard some of it on Springsteen's second album. When Springsteen made The Wild, The Innocent, and The E Street Shuffle, he was very much in that soul and R&B mode. He never really returned to that on any of his subsequent albums. So a lot of the songs that he was writing in that vein, he did not choose to record himself. But Southside Johnny made three terrific albums that Springsteen participated in heavily as a songwriter in the 70s, and his sidekick in the E Street band, Steve Van Zandt, helped produce and write a number of the songs as well. One of the great songs from those series of Southside Johnny albums is Talk to Me, a Springsteen song that was left over from the Darkness on the Edge of Town sessions and was transformed by Southside Johnny and the Asbury Jukes. Again, not a groundbreaking song, but I think a classic slice of soul and R&B that harkens back to that golden era of Lieber and Stoller, the drifters of the late 50s, early 60s. It's Talk to Me from Southside Johnny and the Asbury Jukes on Sound Opinions.
That is Southside Johnny and the Asbury Jukes with Talk to Me on Sound Opinion's Greg Kotz, and I'll emphasize Greg Kotz, Desert Island Jukebox pick this week. Greg, what do we have on the show next week? Next week, Jim, we have one of the best power pop bands of the last 20 years live in the studio with us, Teenage Fan Club. Greg, as always, we have some thank yous to say on the way out, and I'm going to describe our intrepid team in terms of famous doctors in honor of our Rock Doctor show. Our intern, Julia Mullen-Gordon, she is Dr. Quinn, medicine woman. Our producer, Robin Lynn, she's Dr. Watson. Our other producer, Jason Saldana, he's Dr. Who, of course. And our fearless leader, our executive producer, Tori Southside Malatia, he's Dr. Moreau. And we are all stranded on his island. sound opinions everyone's a critic so give us a call on our hotline Holds a match to your skin. 
Hi, my name is Peter Mo Davis from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and I just heard uh, a comment about the, the, the scary songs from Halloween. A woman talking about David Bowie's Diamond Dog, um, uh, the chant of the ever-circling skeletal family, where she says at the end, it says, run, 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 run. But it, it's not run, 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 run. The album was based on Orwell's 1984, and the last line is a cutoff of the word brother. So it says, brus, 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 big brother. My name is Sam, and I'm calling from uh, the Madison, Wisconsin area. I'm calling in uh, response to uh, your request to have people uh, say how much they would pay to have a band breakup. And I think that I would pay double the amount of money that Lars thinks he has lost in free downloads um, to have Metallica break up. Just my two cents. Okay, bye. messages. To share your opinions on Sound Opinions, call 888-859-1800. We'll be back next week on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX.